Computer, initialize Holosuite. Welcome to Beyond Farpoint, a podcast in which we chat about everything Star Trek The Next Generation. We're your hosts Baz Greenland and Jeff Owen. Hi Jeff, how are you today? I'm pretty good, thanks Baz. How are you doing today? I'm good, yes. Just been watching uh, the four episodes for this podcast this week in shiny HD. So I've just got, I got the... Uh, the Blu-ray box over Christmas, and my God, the quality is amazing. I mean, I, I, thought, the, I thought the HD quality on Netflix was pretty good, but, you know, the colours of the uniforms are amazing. So, I mean, yeah, we really enjoying kind of watching it on HD. And I've got to say as well, and this is, I think, possibly the best buy of the Blu-ray box of the next gen, is all the trailers at the beginning of every episode. Star Trek! And they're, they're, they're absolutely amazing. And I, I encourage everyone who likes Star Trek Generation to go out and get the Blu-ray box sets because... There's some great extras on there. The quality is amazing, and those trailers are kind of worth it alone. Yeah, another good reason to go out and buy the Star Trek Next Generation box set is if you do that, we might stand some chance at some point in the future of getting DS9 and Voyager in HD as well. But um, uh, I don't. Oh, that'd think, be amazing. Yeah, I don't think the chances of that yeah. are particularly great at the moment. But they are the only two series of Trek at the moment that were missing in HD, mm. and um, arguably they're two of the best. Absolutely, I think you know. I've seen clips where people have done HD remasters or things like the Dominion mm. War from DS9. It just looks phenomenal, and I think it was it was so good. But uh, in in the meantime, I'll, I'll stick with my DS9 DVDs. I'm very happy with those. But uh, we're here for the next generation, and uh, and we're here to talk about one of Starfleet's greatest engineers. And we're not talking about Scotty or Mars O'Brien. In this episode, we're here to chat about Geordie LaForge. So, Jeff, are you a you a big fan of Geordie? Um, yeah, he, uh, obviously when we first saw him in Next Generation, he was the blind man flying the ship, which was yeah. the joke at the time. But yeah, uh, when they put him in into, uh, into engineering, I think that's really where he found his niche. And you could tell that in a few episodes of the first season, because we've already spoken about him. Um, I can't remember which episode it was, but, um. Oh, the last battle. Uh, the last battle, uh, the battle yeah. even. Yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah. It was the last outpost it was. I was thinking of the last outpost, yeah. That's the one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the, the Ferengi ones. That's it, yeah, because he gets sent down to uh, try and sort out what's happening in engineering. Obviously, there's nobody in engineering, so they send Geordie down. Um, and uh, he obviously earns his pips, uh, gets promoted, and uh, becomes the chief engineer of the ship. So, yeah, I, I think he's a great character. Yeah, I, I agree. He's... um. He's really good at his job, and he's—I I love the infusion. I love the endearing qualities that Lavar Burton mm. brings to the role as well. He's not—he's not the most exciting character, you know. I mean, I, I don't think you're, many people are going to hear Geordie talk to the likes of Data or Picard or you know some of the other more dynamic characters across the Star Trek franchise. But he's a really good, solid character, and um, I mean, the, the cast in general, the next-gen cast, are just really good really solid and you know once you get past the woodness particularly that first season you know there's some there's some really great stuff to come from them and um, particularly by the time you get this in seven 
they're like family and, and you really get a sense of that and, and jewelry is definitely part of that yeah absolutely and when we were um, talking about which character to talk about first i think we wanted to stay away from some of the more obvious ones uh you know picard and data would have been the easy ones for us to do a character profile episode of and uh, i think we eventually landed on geordie thinking well yeah not many people really start talking about things like this and uh, and start with talk about geordie where would you rank him among star trek's greatest engineers so presumably we're going to be putting him on alongside the legendary scotty Chief mm. O'Brien, uh, Balana Torres, Trip Tucker, Paul Stamets. Oh, we've got the emergency engineer in uh, Picard. Um, yeah. We haven't really seen who the engineer is in Lower Decks, have we? Oh, no, it's... um, it's um, Oh, it's the Phillips. The guy with Tash. Yeah, Phillips. Phillips, that's it, yeah. Sorry, yeah, I completely yeah. forgot about him. He's got to be up there. Um, he's definitely up there with, uh, uh, with the best of them. Um, I think Scotty and... O'Brien probably just pip him for me. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way, but I think when you, when you watch Jordy, Jordy's just so good at what he does, and it suits him well. And you know, going back to talk about those Varengi episodes from season one, but there were the two things that struck me about season one of the Next Gen, and we we did talk about this previously. It was one where was the chief engineer? Scotty is such an iconic character; mm. it almost seemed like oversight they forgot to include the chief engineer in the main cast. And I know there was the kind of, almost felt like a, a joke of let's have the blind man fly on the ship. And I, I don't know if it kind of worked, didn't really worked. And actually, you saw Geordie shine in episodes like The Last Outpost when he was solving an engineering problem. So he was absolutely well suited for that, uh, was it two pip promotion, I think, from, I think it was like Lieutenant or, or maybe a Lieutenant in, uh, in or even an ensign in the first season. I can't remember in, in the red. I'm pretty sure he was Lieutenant Junior Grade. In the first season. Oh, there you go. So it's probably a couple of pit promotions. Mm. <laughs> Maybe if there's like the last outpost kind of proved why he was there. But yeah, they seem to recycle for about three or four different chief engineers in the first season. And then Geordie came along and was that role from season two. And it was the, the absolute right place. It was, you know, like many... Season two was when things started to kind of smooth over. And I think season three, I think, was where Next Gen really found its yeah. feet with the change of showrunner and so on. But... I think season two started to show signs of being a bit of a classic show with a couple of episodes like Measure of a Man and Q Who and so on. And, you know, season two was where I think some of that woodenness and that sense of Star Trek feeling very much like a TOS clone started to fade a bit. That was very much prevalent in the first season. So I think Geordie becoming the chief engineer was kind of part of that change. And, yeah, he absolutely works brilliantly. And it's been a been real fun, actually, to watch some episodes this week just folks that where Geordie's the main focus yeah. because he's always kind of there. He's part of the ensemble, but it's it's almost harder in a way. You know, you think of data and you think of law and you think of some of the episodes where it even like the movies with first contact nemesis. Obviously Picard has his greatest storylines, Riker has their moments there where he's like with his dad or the Klingons and so on, and obviously Worf and his stuff. Whereas with Geordie he's kind of just there. But he works, and I think it's a it's a real nice to actually go and explore and kind of see the focus on him and see him in action, and ju- and actually just see how good Lavar Burton is in the role. Mm. Well, that's it. I mean, when we were talking about doing this episode, we decided that we were going to talk about a few episodes, and we kind of struggled to come up with episodes where Geordie was the main focus of it. Mm. And we've come up with four, which we'll be talking yeah. about later on. 
but um, outside of those four, he's he's always there. He's always part of the crew. He's always obviously one of the main seven, eight or nine regular cast members, but he's not normally the focus of attention. And um, yeah, we did struggle a little bit to find um, Geordie-centric episodes, but we think we've managed to pick a few, which we're going to be talking about a bit later on. Before we go into those episodes, what are your favourite elements about Jordan that you've enjoyed watching? He's he's down to earth. He's relaxed. Uh, well, apart from around women, which we'll get to. <laughs> but everything's natural for him. Everything, you know, he knows the ship inside and out. He's, he, he is in that respect very much from the Scotty mould. Um, and... Uh, you know, he does, obviously, he gets down to work, there's no complaints, um, he gets the job done, and um, he also, one thing I noticed as well, he's also not afraid to ask for help when he needs it as well, because obviously we've got uh, we've got scenes um, in episodes whereby he takes on Data, he takes on other members of the crew, just basically to... If there's if there's a problem in engineering, he's going to get it fixed, and he's he's going to rope in whoever he can to get it done. Most of the time, I think we're times when I was watching these episodes, which we're going to talk about, where I thought Geordie felt very much like a one man show, kind of way that Scotty was, and I was thinking, you know, where's the rest of the team on this? But I think you're absolutely right. He does have a team, and there are characters that appear, yeah. like characters like Barclay, for example, and Data as well. And I think there were two things in me that really stand out with Geordie. One is that kind of boundless enthusiasm. Mm. And the endearing quality of LeVar Burton's performance, but I think he loves being in space. Yeah, he absolutely loves it. He loves engineering. He, he's a proper science geek, and you know, and he will get that kind of passion. And you know, he's he's good at his job, and, and he enjoys what he does. The second thing I think is the friendship between Data and LaForge across the season is mm. is lovely, and uh, I think that kind of elevated. Geordie's character a little bit as well because it gave Data a little bit of purpose, his connection with Geordie, particularly when Geordie was ever in peril as well. And there's actually one of the episodes we're going to talk about which does tap into that a little bit. You saw it in Generations when, when Geordie's been kidnapped mm. as well. And uh, the, the relationship, because because Geordie will speak his mind, and but he's, 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 he's generally a very nice guy as well. You know, He's not afraid to kind of challenge Data a bit, but kind of help him on his journey to become more human. And I think, you know, it's those scenes across the season that I, I really appreciate too. And I think for me, as much as him being a really great engineer, he's, he's one of his kind of best qualities. Actually, his connection with Data is also really strong. Yeah, exactly. And um, uh, obviously for the uh, couple of episodes ago where I was talking to Dan Decker, and we uh, decided that a Data Geordie buddy cop show would be um, <laughs> a great idea. But yeah, they've obviously got the camaraderie between them. Um, and Geordie could absolutely see Data as a um, as a project, as as you know, Starfleet property and technology. But he doesn't. He sees him as a friend. He sees him as a good mate. Mm. And um, you know that. That obviously develops all the way through for, uh, throughout the seven seasons of Next Generation. And I kind of hope that we get to see Geordie in the future after we've lost Data, because we didn't really see it. Once Data died for the first time in Nemesis and then died for the second time in Picard, we haven't really seen the um, aftermath and how that affected Geordie. And I'd really like to see that, actually. 
Yeah, I agree. I think we, again, we talked when we talked about the first Contact movie. We talked about how some of the characters like Crusher got a little bit short shrift in the movies, and I guess mm. in a way, Geordie was a bit the same. Generations, he had some stuff in there to do, and maybe a little bit of that kind of geek fan service with Cochrane in First Contact. But yeah, I think by the final film, I think Geordie's kind of just there in a, in a way. Yeah. And given that his friendship with Data was a part, real core part of Data's journey and his journey, it's a shame we haven't got that. And uh, it'd be really interesting to see, particularly with the new Simps and Data's daughter and, and all the people that we, we saw at the end of mm. Picard season one, how Geordie reacts to and reacts to legacy. It's not it's not just Picard. Obviously Picard has a very strong connection with Data, but also it's it's Geordie too. And I was gonna ask, you know, obviously Geordie did get a mention in the first episode of Sergeant Picard, which we discussed a couple of months back. Do you think we're gonna get LeVar Burton back maybe as Captain Geordie LaForge in the future? I really hope we do. I'd love to see Geordie in Picard or even Lower Decks or Prodigy. Yeah. Because I don't know if you're up to date on Prodigy at all recently, but we've had uh, a couple of legacy characters just appear in um, in a recent episode of Star Trek Prodigy. I won't spoil anything for you if you if you don't know anything about it. But um, yeah, I mean something like that I think could be perfect for uh, Geordie to appear in. Yeah, I, I think actually I can see Geordie in Lower Decks. That that'd be quite fun. I think he's energy would suit the show very very well i'd love to see a two or three episodes you know particularly how they kind of played up riker's fly by the seats of your pants approach to captain in 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 <laughs> in, in uh, lower decks so I, I could see jory's enthusiasm tenfold in lower decks i, I think that'd be quite fun i think actually if, if all the characters that could appear in lower decks i think actually he'd be quite a fun one to see but yeah i i do hope uh we see him you know whether he's the captain that we saw in the uh future Voyager episode timeless you know which is kind of an alternate mm. reality now but uh I don't know it'd be it'd be great to see him I assume not married to Leah Brahms despite all good things because that's a bit problematic and we're going to talk about some Leah Brahms stuff uh, mm. very shortly but uh yeah I, I hope again I think we said in the Picard one I, I'm not sure season two is necessarily going to be the place for that but I hope in that in what presumably the final season the third and final season of Picard that we're going to see Characters like Crush, obviously, uh, we, we talked about a lot. But it'd be nice to see Worf and Geordie and so on at least one more time before kind of Picard wraps up. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Just going back to what we were talking about, him appearing on Lower Decks, I get a feeling, can you imagine him and Mariner arguing about <laughs> something? Absolutely. That's the scene that writes itself. Absolutely, I could absolutely see that. That'd be fantastic. So uh, hopefully that's season three or four, we shall see. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so like many of our episodes of Beyond Farpoint, we've picked out four stories from across the Next Generations one, you know, featuring, in this case, the Enterprise D's famous chief engineer and the infamous Leah Brahms. We're going to talk about the Leah Brahms episodes, you know, they're, they're, they're part of Geordie's legacy. So, uh, because as, as much as he's a successful engineer, he's not so much of a success when it comes to love. And I think we'll, we'll see that in the uh, Leah Brahms. In fact, I think you kind of see a little bit of that in all the episodes we, we've picked. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, very true, actually. In addition to Booby Trap from season three and Galaxy Chart from season four, we're discussing both of those. We've also picked two further episodes featuring Geordie. One is the winner of our favourite Geordie episodes we ran on a poll on Twitter, season four's Identity Crisis. And to round things mm-hmm. off, we are looking at Geordie's relationship with his never-before-mentioned family in season seven's interface so yeah four episodes yeah. to delve into 
Yeah, there were two other episodes that we considered, which were, of course, the Fantastic Relics. Mm. But we're holding off on that one because we want to do a uh, talk about crossovers at some point in the future. And, of course, you can't really um, ignore that with the Fantastic Crossover with Scotty and uh, Samaritan Snare. But we're kind of hoping for a Holosuite Media crossover episode for that one. Uh, which we'll say no more about at the moment. Definitely, yeah. There, I mean, there, there are a few more Geordie episodes out there. I mean, yeah, Relics is one that's, to be honest, we're probably going to give Relics its only episode focus at some point, aren't we? But yeah. I think we've also got crossovers coming up. So, uh, and the other one is probably a bit of Generations. There's some Generations stuff there as well. But, you know, each year we're going to cover the movies we've done first contact already and whether it's this year or next we're going to do generations as well so mm-hmm. yeah we're, we're going to get some more Geordie stuff but I thought these episodes were pretty good in kind of exploring who Geordie is on the show so uh, let's delve in with season three's booby trap next time on Star Trek the next generation the Enterprise is caught in an alien death trap and there's no way out we should be going like a bat out of hell. Engines aren't responding, Captain. Geordie fights impossible odds to save the crew from disaster. Somehow we have to generate enough energy to get out of here. But are they helpless against destruction? Shields up. Reverse course, full impulse power. On the next episode of Star Trek, The Next Generation. So this episode was written by Ron Roman, Richard Danis and showrunner Michael Piller based on a story by Michael Wagner and Ron Roman. It was directed by Gabrielle Beaumont and first aired in the US on the 20th of October 89. In the UK, it was the 13th of October 1991. In this episode, the Enterprise triggers a booby trap in an asteroid field that drains the ship's power and Jory turns a holographic version of the creator of the ship's walk core, Leah Brahms. So, Jeff, what are your thoughts on booby trap and Geordie's role within it? I think... After watching this episode again this week, I think it's had a bit of unfair criticism of late because um, the Leah Brahms situation is problematic. But watching it back, Geordie doesn't exactly go into it telling the computer to make his ideal version of her. He's He asks for the computer simulation of the... Um, Utopia Planisher Shipyards they create the drawing room that obviously Leah Brahms works in he specifically says oh can you show me where on this diagram something is and suddenly it generates the hologram he then just asks the computer to uh, to interpolate a personality for her based on records and she's created and a couple of times, okay, he does sort of say a few things that you think, mm, maybe that's not the best way to deal with it. But the computer creates this version of Leah Brahms for him, not him. Yeah, I, I kind of think you're right. I think there are a couple of problematic moments, but I think that the the slightly dodgy stuff, the cringeworthy stuff, certainly with Geordie and Leah is really in the next episode, Galaxy. Yes. Yeah child from season four which we're going to talk about yeah i, I think what this one does is there, there, were, there were two i think there were two kind of fairly solid competing storylines here you've got you've got the enterprise d in the asteroid ford finding this kind of ancient thousand year old warship and you know picard's giddy enthusiasm for discovering this relic and then realizing mm. that it was caught in a booby trap and now the enterprise is losing its power and, and you've got geordie there in kind of both storylines in this sense geordie's there to kind of solve the problem of what's happened to the ship to save everyone before they all die. Yeah. You know, very much reminded me of 
the last outpost again we talked about from mm. season one where Geordi is trying to save the ship you know and everyone's going to be killed by fatal radiation doses you know, as the ships fell there's a very similar ticking clock tension that you had in last outpost the good stuff we talked about that that happens in booby trap as well you know maybe it's too similar perhaps but mm. I, and I really like that you know you see, see Geordi in action that's really good I think the Leah Brahm stuff kind of comes on the on the other side which is Geordi as the hopeless ladies man and you, you see that very much in the opening pretar sequence where he's in that holodeck scene on the date with the crew member and it's the most cringeworthy date are oh, it's cringeworthy isn't it pretty bad isn't it mm. yeah i mean obviously he's there you can see from the moment the episode starts that um is it christy the woman that he's trying to woo on the holodeck christy something christy henshaw yeah yeah christy henshaw yes Played by Judy Warner. Yeah, you can tell from the moment that episode opens that she is really uncomfortable. She doesn't want to be there, um, and you can imagine that Geordie's just basically said, "Oh, you know, we'll just have a we'll just have a meal, or you know, I'll show you a uh, I'll show you a new holodeck uh, program uh, that I've got." And she's obviously turned up, and suddenly he's there, romantic or trying to be romantic on this beach. Yeah, with that really intrusive violinist. <laughs> yeah, and he goes, oh, almost forgot. And you can tell she's already uncomfortable by that point. He creates this violinist, and he moves in, and at that point she just goes, yeah, I don't see you in that way, and just gets out of dodge pretty quickly. But, yeah, it, it's... It's not a comfortable episode opener for Geordie. I do feel sorry for the guy. Yeah. But he's obviously trying too hard, and Guinan obviously tells him that later on. And he says, well, I'm not I'm not trying with you. And says, that's the point. Yeah, yeah. I think you're absolutely right. And I think it's, you know, there were some great scenes here. You know, that scene mm. with, with Guinan, I think, I think it's fantastic as well, where he's asking her what she looks for in a man. And her response is born men, <laughs> which makes you wonder, you know, is was this like more with Picard and Guinan in the past that we never actually saw? Well, I was wondering if this was Time's Arrow. Yeah. Because even though Time's Arrow hasn't happened or hadn't happened by this point on TV, Guinan would remember what happened in Time's Arrow. So I'm wondering if that's... Ref- it's sort of... I don't know, retcon in a little bit and uh, we're finding out a little bit more about what happened in Time's Arrow. Quite possibly, yeah. I think Geordie in, in this scene, he he's a bit creepy when it comes to the, the next one we're going to talk about, Galaxy's Child, but I, th- I think mm. in Booby Trap, he's just a bit hopeless. He He's the guy who's yeah. been in the friend zone. You know, I remember when I was younger, that was exactly what it was like, you know, when you're constantly friend zoned and mm. you kind of, you know, you, you're just looking for someone to connect with and, and not really finding that. And, uh, yeah, it's. It, I, I can see how people can find it creepy. I, I think at this stage, it's probably for the most part, apart from maybe towards the end with the Leah stuff. It's it, for the most part, it's just Geordie who is a little bit hopeless and doesn't, isn't, can't really read the room. He can't really be himself. And as Guyan says, you know, when he's himself, he's much more confident. And and I guess that's where where, where you see that when he's working with Leah and he's on. His, and she's on his level, and they're they're solving problems together. Yeah. That's when he becomes the confident Geordie that we uh, kind of know and love. Yeah, I mean Geordie at this point, he's not as bad as Reg, but you could tell he could be as bad as Reg. Mm. I guess with Reg, and I talked about this on the episode I did last year with with Gem on the kind of psychology of next gen, mm. 
and a lot of that was Reggie's kind of social anxiety manifest, you know, in pretty extreme ways sometimes with the horror stuff. I kind of like that these characters aren't perfect. Yeah, I guess Geordie, mm. for the most part, is quite a perfect character. You know, he's really good. Obviously, physically he's blind, but that doesn't stop him in what, what he's doing. If anything, his, his visor actually enhances some of his senses and his visual senses, so that kind of works in his, in his favour. And he's so good at what his job, he's so confident, you know, he solves the problems that come come up every episode. So you know, his fallibility is in his connection, you know, his look for love, really, I guess is, is where, where it's coming from. The same way that Reg was great at his job, but he had these social anxieties that kind of got in the way as well. So yeah. I guess the difference is that Reg's social anxiety kind of really did get become problematic, whereas Geordie's, you know, it, it makes some people uncomfortable. It certainly makes the, 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 the crew at the beginning uncomfortable, but... It all comes with, with, with a good heart, really, uh, certainly in this episode. So uh, for the most part, it's quite endearing, I think, in terms of his approach. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, um, I mean, obviously what one thing that uh, we didn't mention was um, Geordie's character was created for a fan who was a fan of the original series um, called George LaForge. And I believe he was... Um, uh, I can't remember the details, but I know there was some sort of learning difficulty or or something along those lines. And they, they created the character of Geordie LaForge in his honour. And um, I believe that he passed away before he got the chance to see his uh, namesake on screen. But I always liked the fact that this this character of Geordie LaForge was, uh, was created for him. That's lovely. Yeah, but... Um, yeah, I mean, Geordie's... Problems obviously are generally with the opposite sex, but only when he's trying. Um, yeah. Because you know we've said with with Guinan, he's um, he's absolutely fine because you know he's talking to her as a friend. He's not talking to her trying to impress her or trying to go on a date with her. She says to him, you know, well you, you're different with me. I said, well I'm just not trying, and yeah, mm. that's my point. And I know I've <laughs> said that earlier, but um, I, I think. You know, she's absolutely bang mm. on there. She's nailed it. Definitely. There are a couple of cream moments to call it, you know, like right, here's another woman that won't get personal will be on the hard deck. That's a bit a little bit uh, I don't think you would deliver that line in, in today's Star Trek, certainly. But it's uh yeah, there were a couple of moments, but I think generally it comes from from a good heart with Geordie and he's just he kind of hopeless hopelessness in terms of the romantic stakes. But uh I guess when it comes together, yeah, you know, it's, it's quite, it's quite as much as it's a little bit creepy. And I think the way the personality, the way, when she starts talking about, you know, you must know the inside of me because there's a lot of me in here and stuff, and she starts massaging his shoulders. It is a little bit creepy. Yeah, that, that, I mean, so it's, it's a lot creepy. It's a lot creepy, certainly, and that kind of plays into the next one. But I think it's, it's, it's weird how you're absolutely right that Joy didn't create her to be this kind of seductive romantic character. He just had a connection, you know, and. We see this a lot with characters, you know. Everyone, even even Janeway, fell in love with a holographic character at one point, and that's enough said about as <laughs> enough said about that that story. Like that's one of the worst episodes of Voyager. But I think the idea of this holographic world is is very enticing, very appealing, and you see like, where mm. like where Barclay we mentioned, you know, can kind of get absorbed in that. And I, I guess in a way, Jory does that as well. Jory gets completely absorbed in this holographic world, and it becomes very real, real to him. And you can you can imagine Hardex must be quite seductive not in a romantic sense but in the what in the idea that this kind of world you get to play in and you get to interact and be part of it it must be kind of very exciting to be to be to be engaged with that so uh i think this is this is this very much like barclay as well is showing that how the holodeck can kind of it's not a bad it's a bad thing but it can kind of draw you in 
and kind of distort the line between fantasy and reality. Yeah, exactly. And um, I think it's probably a good thing that we don't have a holodeck in real life at the moment <laughs> because I can imagine a lot of people would probably get caught up in a, in that way as well. Definitely. So, yeah. But a few more things before we move on to the next one. Then, so on, on a slightly separate side, you know, I really like Picard geeking out about the Battle Cruiser. You know, this was a season, particularly season three, where you start to see Patrick Stewart more relaxed in the role and becoming the the Picard we knew and love. So there's some nice moments there with him geeking out and discussing ships and bottles there and uh, getting to kind of fly the ship at the end. Was, and O'Brien. And O'Brien, yeah, absolutely, yeah, O'Brien. And I did actually really like the ticking clock tension of the booby trap itself. You know, it's it's yeah. it's a. It's a story that's been done many times in Star Trek. You know, even the last outpost from a couple of seasons earlier was very much similar. You know, the very recent episode, Stormy Weather, from Star Trek Discovery Season 4, was pretty much the same thing. They're trapped in a situation, trying to escape, and, 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 and the shield's failing. So it's a story mm. that's been done multiple times, but generally works. You know, it worked very well in... Mm. That's probably the strongest element of the last outpost. It was it made Stormy Weather, for me, kind of one of my favourite episodes of the, of the fourth season of Discovery, you know. And uh, I think here as well, it's... Uh, you know, it, it actually worked and kind of brought that tension and, and looked great in the whole scenes with with Enterprise in the uh, asteroid field looked great as well, particularly in HD. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the the joy on Picard's face as well when he returns from the Promelian battle cruiser, and I love the fact that he just pulls rank on Riker and he goes, "I'm going over there." Yeah, <laughs> Riker saying, "Well, you're the captain," and he says, "No, rank has his privileges. I'm going over yeah. there." But he comes back and he's got, he's like a child. Mm. He's got such a massive grin on his face. And, you know, even uh, Deanna spots just how excited um, he's been by it. But the only thing that sort of made me wonder was when he said, I think we've seen everything is possible to see or something along those lines. I thought, well, you've been over there five minutes. Mm. You've looked at the bridge. I'm sure there's plenty of other places you could be (laughs) looking on that ship. Quite possibly. But, um... But yeah, um, and then of course they pull all the captain's logs later, and I thought I thought Cap- I thought Picard would have been all over that from the, from the start, just pulling these ships' logs so he could review them at his leisure later. Yeah, you, you can always imagine this is an episode about Picard discovering something really exciting, you know, the kind of the archaeological roots really of something really ancient, and we need to explore that as well, and that could have worked. Anyway, just as well, actually, I think it would be slightly different, but quite a good episode as well. One thing as well, I'm, I'm surprised there wasn't any sort of mention of salvaging it or, you know, recovering uh, that battle cruiser because I thought um, Picard would have been saying, oh, you know, we need to get a hold of uh, Starfleet to see if we can put this in a museum or something. There was nothing like that. Um, he, he wanted to go on the ship and have a look around himself and then leave. I don't know. I, I yeah. reckon that kind of went in the window when they realised how dangerous it was. And actually, they barely got it out alive. So perhaps trying to get get in and get the ship out is, is too dangerous. The risk to life is too high to salvage it. Oh, not not at the end. I mean, obviously, once once they realised they were stuck in that booby trap. Uh, but you know, early on, you'd have thought, oh, we we found an intact thousand year old starship, a battle cruiser from this extinct civilization. We've got to try and recover this and put it in a museum, but no, there was nothing like that. And uh, I, I thought Picard of all people would have been there, going, "Yeah, we we need to recover this. We need to salvage this." But um, yeah, I mean, later on, obviously, they realised the predicament they were in, and at that point, it was all about just getting out of mm. there. But yeah, I'm just surprised that Picard, the archaeologist, didn't want that at the start of the episode. 
No, I think that's fair. Maybe it's maybe it's a one story thread that didn't really uh, get the time to shine because it is really is Geordie's episode. And uh, yeah, I think going just going back and wrapping up on Booby Trap, there were a couple of points that kind of wanted to bring out there. First, I think Levar Bird handles Technobabble really, really well. You know, there's not we're, yeah. we're not a Voyager levels of Technobabble here, but you know, there's some, there's, there's a lot of techno speak in this episode with Geordie trying to kind of work out what's happening, try and find solutions. So I think he handles it really well. And that enthusiasm we talked about in his performance kind of really carries that across as well. And it's a really good episode for him as an engineer coming up with a solution. Though I did have to wonder, where is the entire engineering department? You know, it's uh, Picard even actually thanks Geordie and his team for coming up with a solution. And, and there's no one else there. Where's the rest of the engineering department? It kind of felt... Maybe it's a little bit cheap that you've only got Geordie there. I, obviously, I understand for the holodeck sequences, but there was never a sense of like 30 people all brainstorming, working on a solution, and then Geordie goes away to the holodeck to kind of work on part of the solution. It was it was just Geordie on a crew of a thousand people. It was just Geordie, the one person, trying, trying to save the ship, which felt a little bit odd. Yeah, particularly with something like that, when they're trapped in trap where they were let's get all hands on deck let's get everybody you know pull pull them off their night shifts or or everything we need everybody in engineering now to try and sort out this problem but yeah you're absolutely right in the end he ends up dealing with it by himself on the holodeck yeah yeah that is that was a little bit odd but still i think it's a fairly solid episode of next gen uh so I, i like the booby trap elements some of the Leah stuff is a little bit problematic, but not so much in the episode. I think certainly the kiss at the end is a bit problematic, but you kind of understand the kind of, mm. as I said, the way the hard deck can kind of draw you and blur that line between fantasy and reality. It's a little bit creepy at times, particularly some of the Leah lines, but it's almost like the computer created some of those lines rather than Geordie, and, and that kind of feeds off him in the next episode, which we're going to talk about. The one more thing I was just going to say is I'm wondering if that kiss at the end was more sort of relief. We're out of here, Geordie at that point could relax a little and maybe relax a little bit too much. Quite possibly. So, I don't know. Quite possibly. Yeah. It, it, I, I'm not quite sure. I don't really know kind of feel on that one. But let's talk about Galaxy Child then. So mm. that's the uh, 16th episode of season four. It was written by Morris Hurley from a story by Thomas yeah. Cardozoian, I think his name was, and directed by Rich Kolb. First aired in the US on the night from March 1991 and the UK on the 5th of October 1994. So in this episode, the real Leah Brahms comes aboard the Enterprise to inspect the engines while the accidental death of a very large alien life form results in its offspring attaching itself to the ship. So what are your thoughts on this episode and the continuing saga of Geordie and Leah? When you look at this ship, you're looking at me. Mm -mm. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, um it's it's a Geordie episode yep. I'll give it that we get to see the real Dr Brahms we get to see the real Leah Brahms uh, when she comes on board and straight away Geordie's hi sorry who yeah. are you I've never met you before in your life uh, in my life and um, yeah it's it's uncomfortable straight off the bat which is a shame because I kind of think that the the rest of the episode with the um, with that creature's offspring I think is kind of cute. <laughs> yeah. 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 The um, the, the Leah Brahm story in this one is uh, is very very problematic and not for Leah because Leah's a great character. Mm. Geordie's the problem in this episode. Yeah, and 
I think a lot of this comes down to the script. I think I like again the scenes of Garland and Geordie are, are really good, and yeah, like she calls me out. You know, you're coming face to face with your dream, so you met a computer simulated female. You know, and she calls out immediately that actually the Leah Brahms that is coming to the Enterprise D is not the Leah Brahms that you saw on the holodeck. That is a fantasy that was created for you, mm. and so the look that she gives him as well. You know, when, he, when he's talking about so, I, great. I, I love the line so. Uh, uh, that was supposed to be the old visor then the one that makes you see the things that you want to see you know there's a great line from yeah. Griner that calls him out bluntly you know you're living in a dream world this is not a real person and this is this is actually not right as well so I'm really glad they did those, those scenes with Griner you know Griner, the old wise guy in, you know Rick Goldberg is fantastic on screen and you know I really like her scenes with Geordie in both these episodes and I think that's probably the strongest element of, of this episode is actually Griner calling out and going you know there's, there is a lot. There is a line between fantasy and reality, and, and you, you are basically crossing that, and you kind of blurred those yeah. lines. Because I know this this episode will be on Farpoint is about celebrating Geordie, and we're fans of Geordie, but I think this is his worst episode in in a way because mm. it taps into the, his his worst traits. It's like you know, you explore the character Geordie. Yeah. You know, Geordie is a ladies' man, but in this scene here, basically he he tries to replicate all the stuff from the previous episode, and it, and. I think it's supposed to be done as kind of playing for all laughs and a bit awkward kind of humour, but it's like, you know, he tries to recreate the same fiery banter we've heard that they had in the last episode. And he even said, like, you know, why doesn't she remember this? And why would she remember this? And I think I think it's the bit when he offers yeah. to cook her favourite food for Chini in her quarters. It's like that now now you're crossing the line here. And you know, when he has the, the date with the mood light and the flowers and the soft jazz and you know, he wants to make her feel more comfortable. You, you go back to the hardex scene from the previous episode, Booby Trap, the beginning of there, you know, and he couldn't read the room and he was making his date feel uncomfortable. And that was kind of like, oh, you're hopeless. This one is kind of goes from that to actually, Geordie, this is creepy. What, what you're trying yeah. to do, you don't know this woman at all. You've never met her before. And yet, it's like you, you've, you've done it, you've, you've stalked her Facebook. You've got okay. Your favorite food is this. If you know, and you've done everything you can to try and kind of lure her in. And I, I know it's not meant maliciously. I think the one thing that saves the episode is that Jordan himself isn't malicious. He isn't trying to trying to trying to seduce her. You know, and kind of kind of force anything upon Lee. You know, he never never goes anywhere near that which which is good because I think otherwise I think it's, this episode you know would be completely unacceptable but there were some problematic qualities because Geordie is trying to recreate the magic and he's trying to recreate the magic of a real, of a real person based on a fantasy that actually was never real in the first place and I think it's really a case of him thinking he knows this person mm. because he's interacted with a holodeck version of her so he thinks he knows what she likes. He thinks he knows what she's into. But the very fact that he doesn't even know she's married, mm. you know, should have really said to him, I know nothing at all about this person. All I know is what's been written from logs and uh, and what have you. But, you know, this isn't the person. That's their job. That mm. This is what... Okay, I know Dr. Brahms is very much about her job, but she is a very job-focused person. And, you know, you're talking about that scene in his quarters where he's um, he's got the mood light in and the music. She walks in, she's still wearing the, not uniform, but she's still in the business outfit mm. that she came on board in. 
she she was there i presume to 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 talk, talk business talk yeah business with him and he's there you know smooth jazz candlelight pretty much and mm, yeah. yeah i i think i'd have been out of there like a shot as well yeah i i think i'm surprised you stayed that long to be honest i think even that i think you could even forgive some of that awkwardness if it wasn't the way it's framed at the end of the episode i think this is the problem for me in this episode is that when she finds out that he had created hologram and those lines um you know every time you touch you're touching the engine you're touching me and other stuff and she sees the fancy she calls me you've made me a plaything and that is and what this is where i find the episode does become very uncomfortable is that he gets angry with her and I think this is where the episode is trying to frame it, is actually she's being unreasonable. She just listens for a moment. She realises it wasn't his fault and he's not to blame here. And you can almost forgive a lot of the stuff for the previous one because it was a computer-generated hologram based on facts about Leah Brahms, the engineer, that he kind of got drawn to this fantasy world and, and then did, you know, with the kiss, took it too far at the end. But, you know, you understand, you know, that he got drawn to it. Whereas what he does in this episode, he acts upon that. And then when she confronts him on it, he gets angry. And it frames her as being unreasonable, which I think is deeply yeah. problematic. In fact, at the end, she apologises to him. And he's like, oh, it's all funny, never mind. And like, absolutely not. There's no way no. she should have apologised to him. So it is a problematic episode. And I think it's probably better discussing it here in the context of more Geordie overall than I don't think you know to discuss this episode in detail you can't really say more than it really is problematic but yeah it's it, it's, it's deeply uncomfortable at times and I think it's one that becomes more so when you know when I was a teenager watching Star Trek you're thinking oh what's this is about this is this is awkward and embarrassing and not really realizing just how creepy it is but I think the older you get the more you realize just how creepy this is and actually yeah, this is this is Geordie at his worst I'm going to ask you a question, actually, because I was watching these two episodes pretty much back to back, and I got thinking: Do you think Geordie used that program between the episodes? All the things that happened, like the reference to Fucini and so on, was mentioned in the scenes you saw in in Booby Trap. So may, maybe, maybe not. And I would like to think not. And and. Oh my! I almost wish he just delete the program. That's what he should have done at the end. But I, I, I don't know. He kind of. I think the seasoning suggests that he hasn't. But I think you could take mm. it that he has as well. I, I don't know. I, th- I think if he wanted any chance of going forwards, yeah, absolutely, that program would have been deleted, or at least the interactive part of it. I mm. mean, there's nothing wrong with having the the, the, the design room mm. um, in Utopia Planitia. But there's absolutely no reason at all why you'd have the holographic simulation of uh, of Dr. Brahms in there at all. But, um, yeah, it, it, I did wonder if he'd gone back and used that programme since. And it did make me think, if, if he had gone back, that's, that's even worse. Yeah. You know? Um, but, yeah, as you said, everything that's referred to in Galaxy's Child uh, about Dr. Brahms was pretty much revealed in um booby trap anyway so the the yeah the, the fungi um yeah absolutely but um but as you said the computer's not one for volunteering information so the fact that she's married no nope, wasn't going to come up and yeah she she was on board for 
business purposes. She wanted, and the very first thing she says to him is, uh, LaForge, so you're the one that's been messing up my design plans or words to that effect. Um, yeah. So <laughs> she's confrontational straight off the bat. And over the course of the episode, it's like every time he does something, they sort of seem to be working together well again the next time you see them together. Mm. And then he does something again to sort of make her question, who the hell is this guy? Seeing on the holodeck is probably one of the worst things I've seen. And then that scene right at the end, as you said, she apologises. She has no reason to apologise him. I mean, to be honest, that episode should have ended with her transporting off the episode going, I know, I know why you've done to the engine room what you've done but I don't want to speak to you again or I don't yeah. want to don't want anything to do with you as the chief engineer ever again yeah I think but, that would be better yeah definitely I, th- I think the way they kind of play this kind of bond and they kind of they, they chat and they have a laugh about it is is, is deeply uncomfortable but there yeah. are and then there are some other, other stuff in this. let's talk about the other elements of the episode before we move on then so you've got the alien ship which I think looks like a cross between a dim sum and a Cornish pasty <laughs> What do you think of the old alien creature? <laughs> That's how I saw it anyway. It reminded me a little of Moya and Talon from Farscape. I don't know if you ever watched Oh, that. yeah, yeah, I've uh, seen some of Farscape. Yeah. Yeah, um, Talon was the uh, was the offspring of Moya, and it was mm. designed more sort of as a battleship. Um, but these are two living spaceships, and um, yeah, the, the, they sort of reminded me a little of that, but obviously Next Generation got there first. But um, but yeah, that, that's going back and watching it again. I I couldn't get Moyer and Talon out of my head. But uh, yeah, I thought they were I thought they were cute, uh, cool. Thought they were cute, and um, yeah, the the baby one particularly. Uh, I loved the fact that it just clung onto the back of the Enterprise. Yeah. Uh, draining energy and you could tell the sort of resignation from Picard um, when Worf says oh what are we going to do and Picard says nothing we're going to do nothing yeah well I love that Crusher wants to perform a c-section on the mother the dead mother they've accidentally killed to rescue the baby Worf wants to kill it <laughs> that's classic yeah. Worf isn't it? kill it kill it um, yeah it's, it's great but it's um yeah, I mean, I did like the the resolution with the idea of the sour and the milk to kind of, which again, Leah and Jordy, it comes back to, to Leah and Jordy to wean off. Mm. It was quite, it was quite a cool idea. So that's, that was good. So I liked as well that it was something very different to what we've seen for the most part of Star Trek, you know, completely as far removed from humanoid aliens as you can possibly get. So that that, mm. that was that was quite cool as well. So some couple of intriguing moments there, but I think the toxicity of the way Jordan behaves and then the episode framing it as Leah apologising certainly brings this way down again I think it's a it's not an episode I'd actually go back and rewatch any time soon either I think because of that yeah or at least fast forward the the end yeah. of it um, yeah yeah that's it's... it yeah maybe that's it you, you solve the crisis and then that's it it's done and uh, that I think that would have better rather than her apologising that's, that's absolutely wrong yeah, and I know we've got other episodes um, as well, but how do you feel then about the fact that all good things future Geordie is then married to Dr. Brahms? Wrong on so many levels now. Yeah. It was always, it always a bit like, I'm sure that, that felt wrong anyway, but now, I mean, we watched this episode again, and it's fresh on my mind, absolutely wrong in so many levels. Mm. But there you go. 
I would hope not. Yeah, I agree. So let's move on then from Geordie and Leah and uh, the 18th episode of season four, Identity Crisis. An away team is vanishing one by one. Whatever happened to the others is happening to me. Susanna! A deadly virus invades the last survivors. We've got to get that thing out of her now. Its next victim, Geordie LaForge. Uh, you may have weeks or very few hours. Security! We have an intruder coming! Metamorphosis on the next exciting episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. So this one was written by Brandon Braga from a story by Tim DeHass and directed by Rinish Kolb again. Aired in the US on the 23rd of March 91 and 90 of October 94 in the UK. So in this episode, Geordie is joined by old friend Susanna Lighton to search for the missing crew from an old mission and they find themselves transformed into alien life forms. So Jeff, what did you think of this episode? Considering this episode comes just two episodes after Galaxy's Child, this is so much a better episode for yeah. Geordie. It's a great Geordie episode. Yeah, and the other thing as well is that he's already got this great fr- uh, friendship and uh, relationship with this um, Commander Lighton. And you think, well, you know, you obviously don't have a problem speaking to women, so what's been the problem up till now? But this episode, I know we're going to get onto it, has got one of my favourite moments of Next Generation. And funnily enough, we're talking about a holodeck scene again, mm. where it's just creepy, where they d- discover the shadow. Mm, that's a great scene. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that scene, because, you know, he's, he's walking around the holodeck, um, and he's going, well, where's that shadow from? He removes the characters, and suddenly you're left with this one shadow on the wall. And there's nothing that should be causing it. That is absolutely creepy. Yeah, it's, it's kind of the equivalent of finding a ghost on a picture or something, isn't it? In a, in a photo, it's mm. it, it's a really great scene, actually. Yeah, I think there's a lot to love about this episode, and you, and yeah. you know the stuff with the U.S. victory, U.S.S. victory mission that you see at the beginning, that pre-title hook with younger Geordie in the red uniform with Susanna and the other crew member is great. You know, you get a sense of of Geordie's past and. And again, his relationship with Susanna as well. I think Brandon Barger's dialogue feels really good and really real in this episode. I love that scene at the beginning when they're just catching up and she's talking about, well, you know, the guy she almost married and his proclamation of, of a bachelor's life. You know, it's, it's actually really sad, you know, because, you know, the idea that he's been kind of hopeless in love. And, uh, you know, there's some really great stuff there. And you get to see Geordie. Geordie's investigating skill. The scene when he's trying to investigate what happened back on the USS Victory and he brings it to the holodeck it's great because it's full of kind of mystery and atmosphere and the idea of him spotting some things not quite right and not realising and then pulling away and finding that shadow is is really 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 sinister and I think it's a really really effective effective sequence particularly when he's he's there trying to recreate what could possibly be making that Mm. shadow and that sort of amorphous blob that appears it's like who the hell are you and why didn't we see you at the time but yeah it's uh, it it sort of becomes a bit silly by the end of the episode where you've got him it it sort of it becomes a little bit threshold at the end um but instead of becoming lizard he becomes sort of glowing blue man group and see i love that i thought i thought that was really effective i i thought that really held up even now Considering that was the okay. beginning of the 90s, it's very 90s, absolutely, very 80s, very Tron. 
But I, I really liked it. I thought it was really effective. And I thought, you know, I thought some of the makeup in it was 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 really good. When you got Susanna transforming, that was quite sinister and creepy as, as well. And uh, there's quite a shocking transformation quite quickly. Yeah, Geordie's yeah. transformation is even quicker, actually, really, really quick. But I thought the scene when Geordie is pretty much his alien creature on, on the planet, very Tron-like with the kind of the neon lighting, it was really, really effectively done. I mean, for me, thinking back to watching Star Trek as, a, as a, when I was younger, and particularly when I was a teenager, those aliens stood out to me as what I remember that being quite different, quite distinct. Mm. And um, I, I think they, they hold up now. Yeah, I... I... I agree to uh, to an extent. Actually, they they are very 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 good uh, very good effect to see, um, particularly with um, what would it have been nineteen ninety one? Yeah, ninety one. Yeah, special effect. So yeah, it, it it does. And you know, I was watching it uh, thinking, is that Levar Burton? Have they actually made him up to be? Well, it was a picture. Apparently, it t- it was the longest makeup ever done on the next generation. It took six hours to apply the full Tarkanan species makeup to Lavarberta. So that is him. Wow. Six hours that took for basically just a couple of minutes. Yeah. Wow. Fair, fair play, Lavarberta. You, yeah. uh, you've got my uh, <laughs> got my respect on that one because obviously they've got a couple of um, a couple of other ones there, and I believe they were. DJs who managed to sort of get work on Star Trek, but yeah, they were they were like breakfast show DJs in Hollywood, and uh, they managed to get a job on Star Trek doing that. And uh, yeah, they basically turned them into aliens. That's quite completely unrecognisable, but looking very cool at the same time. <laughs> but yeah, I also really say really liked Susanna's transformation, and I thought actually that Marianne Plunkett, who plays Susanna, was really good in this episode. I really liked mm. her relationship. You know, we talked about Geordie being this kind of hopeless in love and not being able to read women, except when he's he's more confident, when he's more being himself. And you really got a sense that Susanna and Geordie had known each other for a long time. They'd grown, they'd worked up through Starfleet together, and there was that friendship there. For, you know, I, I really so I like those uh, the discussion early on in Ten Forward when they're kind of catching up and uh, talking about the past. And I really felt the bond between them, actually, as things started to spiral out of control and Susanna got infected and Geordie was infected, well, not tra- transformed rather, rather than infected. And, um, you know, the, the concern over the fate of their missing crew member. I, I would have liked Susanna to, to have been mm. in Next Gen more, actually. I thought she was she was a solid character and I kind of wish there was more of her. I, I, I don't know why maybe there's a, more of her and Geordie explored in kind of like books outside the... Uh, Series. I don't. I don't know. That's a good point, actually. Um, I, I'd be interested to find out if there's any sort of pre or post next generation era revolving around a younger or an older Geordie, um, in the books or comics. So, yeah, if you know of any, um, and you can recommend them to us, please let us know because I'd uh, I'd be interested to hear about either more of Geordie's earlier life or his uh, later post TNG life. I did never hear as many notes about this episode I was watching it. Maybe because I was, just, I was more enjoying it and just absorbing what was happening. But I think it's a very mm. simple but effective storyline. You know, there's a really good mystery there, what's happened to the old crew and uh, the abandoned shuttles. The scenes of the planet with the three-toed footprints are really effective. Susanna's transformation and that moment when Geordie starts to transform as well is really, really cool. And it's just... Um, I think a really solid, effectively done story and uh, yeah. looks great, has a really good mystery, really solid episode for Geordie. I, I know Galaxy's Child and Booby Trap show Geordie at his best in terms of engineering skills. 
not say in terms of other stuff we talked about, but it certainly as an engineer, it shows him shows him his strengths. I think this shows his investigative skills as well, and I really like that side to him as well. You see, that's what makes that horror deck sequence so good because you've got joy shocking transformation, you've got that really sinister moment where you see the shadow on the wall, and you've got Geordie there just taking the time. It's, it's quite a long scene actually, but I think very well done. It's a centerpiece of the episode because it really gives. Lavar Burton the chance to you know really kind of get into the role and uh, and and really kind of explore Joy's investigative side too. So I think that that was really cool. Yeah, and it's nice to see the holodeck being used for something you could imagine that um, it would be used for in a, a work environment. You yeah. know, well, what do we do? Let, well, well, let's get this in a three D environment so we can explore it and and see what's going on. And absolutely, it's um, it, it's nice to see the holodeck being used for that purpose, and not just for, oh, let's go pretend to be a uh, uh, a nineteen twenties private detective, <laughs> um, or uh, or you know, let's be Sherlock Holmes. But um, yeah, it, it's nice to see it being used for business purposes, absolutely, as to relaxation purposes. Absolutely. Which, to be fair, Booby Trap was too. It just didn't end well but uh yeah <laughs> yeah but uh but yeah you're absolutely right I, I think it's a it's a really good i wish you had more of that in, in all the shows in and i'm sure there are moments in next gen ds9 and voyager that do have the hard deck used for kind of business purposes i think i think they tend to use them as kind of for the fantasy, fantasy escapers and whether it's hard it's gone wrong you know like uh as i said dixon hill and sherlock holmes or things like bond in ds9 and that but it's uh yeah, it would have been good to see more of this because this is a really effective use of the holodeck. It's a really great scene. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other episodes where it's been used like that, and the only thing I can think of is the courtroom in A Matter of Perspective. Um, mm. But that's about all I can think of, really. Yeah, there's probably it's probably more out there. I'm sure. Head, anyway. Sure, as we go through, we'll kind of we'll kind of find more. Yeah, we'll point at them and go, "Oh, there's one." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, I think I think for us, of the episodes we're talking about, Identity Crisis is a really good Geordie episode. It's probably the strongest of the bunch we're talking about as well. And I think yes. it's certainly a bit of a redemption for Geordie after the events of <laughs> Galaxy's Child as well. So, you know, definitely one that uh, I really enjoyed revisiting. And ironically, it's probably not amongst many people's list of top episodes, but it is... It's an underrated gem. I absolutely. I really watching Identity Crisis again. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I agree. I think... Uh, I think it's definitely worth a reappraisal, certainly. So let's move on to the final episode we're talking about, which is season seven's interface. The uh, third episode of season of the season seven was written by John Minoski and directed by Robert Weiner. It aired on the second of October ninety three in the US and twenty fourth of January ninety six in the UK. And in this episode, Geordie's involvement in an experimental mission finds him locating his mother, who recently disappeared without a trace. So. I guess season seven isn't generally regarded as what well, is the strongest season of the next gen. Would you say it's the same with this episode? Was it good, bad? What were your thoughts generally? All I could think of was what uh, when watching this episode was even with the technology that we've got today, there is absolutely no reason why this would even have happened. Because I was thinking, why would you get Geordie to be this probe? You'd send a drone in, or whatever the twenty fourth equivalent, twenty fourth century equivalent would be, 
you send the drone in possibly with um with a vr simulation mm. but they've got geordie absolutely wired up to the nines and everything this probe experiences he he experiences as well it's obviously designed purely for the um for the purposes of the scenes with his mother but yeah all i could think of was this episode just wouldn't happen i don't know about you See, I really enjoy the mission stuff, actually. I, th- I think it's the uh, stuff with the mother that kind of lets it down a little bit. I think visually it's quite striking with Geordie in the suit all hooked up. That looks great. It was mm. quite Borgish-like in a way, which which was uh, quite fun. But I'm sure LeVar Burton really enjoyed not having to wear the visor and actually you know, naturalised for the scenes yeah. when, he's, when he's on the ship. So that, that was kind of great to see Geordie like that. I really love the mission. I like the idea of Geordie as his avatar for the probe on a, on a you know, doomed ship trapped in the gas giant. There's some really kind of effective scenes there, you know, quite a lot of atmosphere and tension, say, in, in some of those moments. So I really, really enjoyed that. I, I, yeah, I guess if you kind of to pick holes, is it really necessary? Surely a probe would could do the job without... What what was Geordie's purpose with the probe? I, I, I don't know, because I'm sure unless it was trying to somehow interact with the supposedly alive crew members, obviously you find that they've all, they've all died, but... I, I don't know. I, I don't know what Jordy's purpose was, but I thought it was very effectively done, even though it didn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah, and um, there was one moment in it I saw, and it took me abs- completely out of the story, when they get to that part of the ship where there's a fire, and just before that, the camera pans across him as he's walking into the area with the fire. And because, obviously, there's a fire, there's a massive... LeVar Burton shaped shadow right behind him mm. I'm thinking that wouldn't be his shadow surely that would be a shadow of the probe and at that point I thought nothing is really making sense here <laughs> particularly at the moment where he freezes up and he said I can't move my left leg sorry has the probe got a left leg you see it briefly in the mirror or briefly in the um, reflection yeah. and it, it kind of looks like nomad and it's just this cylindrical metal thing it's like i don't see any legs for you to be able to move so yeah a lot of it just i you can tell i'm not a fan of this episode sorry <laughs> I, I i enjoyed i actually enjoyed it more than i remembered i remember thinking it was a little bit naff this episode but again i say i think with geordie geordie always felt like a like a solid part of the ensemble and so there was never that math, there was nothing massively memorable about Geordie episodes. Mm. I think Identity Crisis has proven there's some great ones there. But I don't know. I, I really like the scenes on there. Yes, they don't make a lot of sense. But I, I think the effect of it and, and Geordie going in, into the ship as well was, was really well done. And um, visually it looked quite striking. But I think maybe it looks better than... It, then it, look, it, look, it looks better than actually the, the story itself, which is which maybe is lacking some depth, some depth there. So uh, I, I I don't know. I, I I was a fan of it. I was I'm, I'm a, I was a fan of a lot of the of the episode from that that point of view. But um, I, I I agree. It doesn't make a lot of sense. There was stuff I did really like actually. Before we get on to the mum and, and his family, was the stuff with Data as well because you know yeah. it was a really good episode for. Data and Jordy's relationship. We talked about at the beginning of this episode, you know, that one of the Data and Jordy's relationship was one of the core strengths. I don't think there was, they just happened to be scenes dotted throughout the series, or more often it was a Data episode where Jordy would be part of, part of that of that storyline. I don't think it's very much, it was very rarely the other way around where Jordy was a focus and it was Data's 
outside perspective on that relationship. But there were some there were some really nice moments here where I think the first one where Crush asked Data about how he's feeling about Geordie and obviously Geordie's potentially lost his mother in an accident that the ship's gone missing. So there was some there was some real kind of nice moments there. And particularly the uh the scene where Data asks him if he needs to be comforted. Geordie comes to Data's quarters and asks if he needs to be comforted. He kind of picks up on that and that was really sweet. And uh, the whole scene with the uh it's about reading the room, the emptiness of the poetic experience, you know, when Data's staring at the empty void of darkness, you know. Geordie's there, who's possibly lost his mother, and your suggestion is to stare into the blackness and get absorbed in the darkness. It's maybe not the uh, the best suggestion, but I liked those scenes with with Data and Geordie, and then how Data he recognizes Geordie's zeal that Geordie is going to go on this foolhardy mission to save his mom, even though it's disobeying the captain's orders. And you know he's a good friend; he's willing to help Geordie. So I thought they were nice moments in the episode. Is it? I think for me, the two best moments bits of the episode were. The, the Geordie's mission with the interface in the early parts of the episode, I thought they were very effectively done, even though, as you said, they didn't make much sense. And then Data's relationship with Geordie in the episode was was really good too. Yeah, and the two actors who they got to play as parents as well, uh, obviously well uh, well used to working with LeVar Burton because I believe that they, uh, they were in Roots as well, which were Maggie Sinclair and Ben Vereen. And they were absolutely fantastic to watch i mean Madge sinclair we'd obviously seen before in star trek in star trek 4 i think it was oh yeah, yeah. um as the i want to say the captain of the saratoga but um yeah i think it's the, the, the first ship to encounter the probe yeah yeah that's it yeah. and um and obviously as i say ben vereen and he'd work with previously when um when he did roots so yeah two uh two top quality actors there uh to work alongside him so let's talk about support the mum then particularly. So obviously the, the main kind of plot running for the episode is that his mother's ship, the, the Hera, has, has gone missing without a trace of all the crew on board and mm. they're searching for the ship and, and no one can find it. And I guess Geordie really is in denial about the fact that she could be dead. You know, the fact that they haven't, haven't got an answer and there's no concrete information of what happened to the ship means the ship could be out there. He's theorising about subspace funnels and all other kind of solutions which yes, are theoretically possible, but probably very, very, very unlikely to happen as Data and Picard theorise as well. So, you know, there's a lot of denial there from Geordie about this. And you only really get one proper scene with the mum in the truest sense, which is the uh, the log that he's watching from a few weeks ago. Interesting that even then she's trying to set him up because his lack of love life is consistent throughout the <laughs> the, 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 the show. But um, that, that was great. I, I found her performance in the interface though very wooden but I guess that was kind of the point because it wasn't her and I think that's probably what drew it out I would have much preferred if the whole thing in the interface was his denial and guilt about not seeing his mum when she suggested a few weeks ago I think he ignored her last message he was too busy and she's just meeting up was actually manifest in, in the regions he was seeing I think the fact that he was an alien manifesting as his mother to get his attention was was frankly boring has been done so many times and was so obvious I think that and the fact that the episode is so obvious that's what brings it down I think for me the fact that it's obviously yeah. not his mother it's it's an alien I think it would have been cooler if it had been his mother trapped in space subspace funnel and he'd found a way to get her out or probably even better still the fact that it was just his guilt manifest you know there's that really interesting scene with, with Troy in this episode where 
they're talking about the guilt of not seeing her when he had a chance and he won't consider that she's dead, you know, and she said, and he's come up with this whole story about her ship is trapped in the subspace funnel, you know, and the more, but there's no, resolu- there's no resolution to it because she's not dead or alive because the more unended the story is, the more he can believe that she's alive. That's a really great bit inside there from Troy. And and I think that would have been better if he's trying desperately to try and, and find her. And either it's guilt manifest or yeah, she actually is there and he saves her. The fact that it's an alien just feels Star Trek cliche 101 for me. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Uh, and, and that's what sort of hurts it for me because I, I wasn't enamoured by the technology in it. I wasn't enamoured by you know how convinced I was about Geordie you know I, I thought Geordie would have been a bit more level headed um, mm. than he is in this episode so yeah it, it's um, it, it... I don't know I, I disagree I, I think he would he, he acts like he is because of what's happened with his mother but I don't think they went far enough for me in a way you know there's no mm. sense of real rage or loss I mean I know, I know he's trying to channel that into a solution which is very jolly. Mm. What, what do you think of the, of the fact that you never actually find out what happens to the hero? Basically, it, we know that it's an alien and then it goes to credits. Kind of, so there's no actual resolution with the mother at all. Yeah, it would have been nice if we could have found something out about it. But I, I suppose it's it's that whole thing about what if. Um, I mean, mm. I suppose we're meant to assume at this point that Geordie's mother has gone missing and, she, and they didn't find her. But... Yeah. Um, do they ever actually reveal what happens to his mother, though? No, I don't, I don't think they do. Because I think if they'd had Dottie throughout the far season, like, we're still searching, I'm not going to give up or something, or they found the ship, it might have it might have worked. Because, because he never mentions her again. And then we talked about this about the beginning when we started to work beyond Farpoint. If there's one issue we have with some of the elements of Star Trek Next Generation compared to, say, DS9, which are more serialised, is that... It's, it's so episodic there's a lot of episodes don't really have much consequence for the next and Jory never really had a storyline so this could have been a seven season 7 storyline at the beginning of the season episode 3 he discards his mother's ship is lost he tries to find a way to save her it's actually not his mother and he ends actually probably quite it's probably quite realistic that they don't get an answer it's not oh and the ship's destroyed or something it's like actually open but I kind of wish they had had recurring sense throughout the season of you know he's still searching or they've discovered the ship or maybe more conversations with his dad you know mm. or and, and these this, this aforementioned sister who never never actually see as well you know you could have had scenes with him and his dad you know three or four times throughout the season where where he's basically you know his dad's saying we've got to give up and he's like no i'm going to keep searching or you know or yeah. dealing with that loss i think that would have been much more realistic and i think it's probably something that ds9 would have done very well I don't think it was ever really mentioned again and I think that's a shame because you don't really get a sense of George how he's dealing with it because he's in denial which is which is great for the episode in terms of how he's how he's approaching it but then at some point you know it's the seven stages of, of grief really and he's in denial stage throughout the episode which is which yeah, is very fair. much Geordie but at some point there's going to be the grief the loss the anger everything else that happens and you don't see any of that I think that's a shame yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at this. Obviously, Geordie's childhood, um, he got caught in that fire. 
and obviously being blind he didn't get his visor until later on but obviously being blind and caught in a fire um you know he didn't want to let his parents out of his well okay bad choice of words there but he didn't want to let his parents get too far away um he didn't want them out of earshot so yeah i, I completely understand that yeah he's um, he's probably been a bit uh, illogical in regards to his uh, attitude towards his mother and you know absolutely hoping that um, that this is her and that he's found her and that he's going to do everything possible to try and rescue her yeah but um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just googling it now I'm, I'm googling now and it basically says that it was lost without a trace and never seen again in the episode yeah that's that's what i was just looking at yeah. on memory alpha uh silver laforge the she's listed as missing in action 2370 yeah. and it says in 2370 the hero went missing subsequent search missions by starships uss nobel and uss excelsior revealed no trace of the ship's whereabouts or fate uh, she was survived by her husband and children so yeah, um, unless unless anything again happens in the books or comics, uh, we're not aware of anything regarding um, uh, Geordie's mother. I think it would have given him a little bit of a, a recurring storyline throughout the final season. Yeah, he doesn't really have much of a, of a story on does he? He's just the chief engineer, and it would have been great to have seen more. I have actually just looked at Geordie's mother's article on Memory Beta to see if there was anything on there about any books or comics. And apparently there is a later novel called Indistinguishable from Magic. And, well, there's a section on here which says that um, she did survive... But I won't go into the details because that looks like it's quite an interesting book and I might read that myself at some point. But um, but yeah, yeah, that does actually look quite interesting. I guess that comes to an end our exploration of poor ladies' man and Starfleet's greatest engineer, George LaForge. Any final thoughts on the episode we've discussed or his journey across the show? I really wish we'd had more to do with him, in all honesty. I wish he'd led more episodes and not just more episodes but more episodes which put him in a good light because we've had i know you've said that you quite liked interface obviously i wasn't a fan of it um we've had two problematic holodeck episodes and the brilliant identity crisis um we've had relics which is a fantastic episode but that's that's Scotty's episode, yeah. He's kind of overshadowed, yeah, by the fact that he's working with Scotty and everyone would just wanted to watch Scotty. We've got Samaritan Snare, which is a great episode, to be fair. Um, and I do want to talk about that at some point. And while we've been talking, the only other episode I can think of regarding him is Aquiel. And um, yeah, good <laughs> job we didn't pick that one. But yeah, it's a shame that we didn't see him or we didn't see him... Um, you know, as the main focus of an episode more. Seven seasons, four movies, and what have we got? Seven episodes? Yeah, there's not there's not much there. There must have been more for him to do. Yeah, I, it is a shame. I think there, there could be there could be more. So, you know, maybe, hopefully we'll get him back in a later season of Picard and we'll see more of his journey. But I think, yeah, it's, it's definitely a case of a missed opportunity, I think. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And... Um, I mean, it's a shame because LeVar Burton is such a great actor and uh, he's he's really sort of been happy to play Geordie as well uh, because obviously, as I mentioned earlier, he was in Roots. Um, he's known 
uh, by a lot of American Star Trek viewers as the host of the children's show Re uh, Reading Rainbow, which we never saw over here. Uh, but apparently he's a lot of Star Trek fans' right. um, childhoods growing up because um, he was he was their equivalent, really, of our Rainbow. And, uh, yeah, he's um, he's obviously shown up recently hosting Jeopardy uh, as a guest host, but um, I think there was a big call for him to be the main host of it after the previous host, Alex Trebek, had died. But, um, yeah, I... Let's see him on TV more because he's um, he, he's a fantastic talent. And of course, one thing we forgot to mention is he um, he was uh, became a director. Yes, as well, he directed a lot of episodes too. So um, I don't know what he's done much of outside of Star Trek. To be honest, I should really have looked that one up. Yeah. So in terms of the more episodes he directed, then he directed uh, NCS New Orleans, Scorpion, Perception. I think he was on the show as well. Perception. Um, some charms. He did nine episodes of Enterprise. He did eight episodes of Voyager, ten of DS9, and then two for Next Gen. So he did Second Chances from season six, and then the Pegasus, which is a great episode from season seven, which we discussed uh, last year too. He's he's still a very much working director then, which I'm glad to see. Mm. Um, so yeah, obviously, if with him working on uh, on shows like Scorpion and NCIS New Orleans, he, it means that he's obviously still. Uh, working very much in the business today so who knows maybe he might follow Jonathan Frakes and end up directing some Discovery or Picard or even the Orville I'd love to see yeah, that definitely brilliant so I think that pretty much comes the end of our discussion on Joy LaForge in the meantime, where can we find you online, Jeff, if people want more Star Trek The Next Generation review? You can get hold of me on Twitter, usually. I'm at NCC underscore 17 Formula One. Uh, feel free to talk about Star Trek The Next Generation or any era of Star Trek or Formula One or the Sinclair Spectrum with me. I'm happy to chat on there. Brilliant. And you can find me at Twitter at Baz Greenland. And on the, we made this podcast. We're involved in uh, multiple podcasts these days. So you can find me on there as well. And if you want to know more about the show, you can check out our Twitter, Instagram and Facebook pages by searching Beyond Farpoint. And please, please, please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. We would love to hear your thoughts too. Next time, we'll kickstart our second full year of Beyond Farpoint. We will look at the best episodes, villains and moments of each season of Star Trek The Next Generation. Looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm going to have to do some homework on that one. Absolutely, yes, yes. Hopefully, uh, we'll see if, if your, your picks are the same as ours. Until then, thanks for listening. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Let's see what's out there. Engage.